Hello and welcome to season three of Family Twist, a podcast about DNA surprises, found family, and amazing adoption stories. I'm Kendall Austin Stulse, and my partner is Corey Stulse. We've had fabulous guests during seasons one and two. We're sharing stories of people who identify as NPEs, also called not parent expected, others who found out they were donor conceived and have surprise siblings, and even others with unique family twists. We started this podcast to spotlight Kendall's adoption story and his discovering both sides of his biological family in 2017. So if you're just finding the podcast, we encourage you to start with episode one to learn more about Kendall's journey. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us again on season three of Family Twist. Our guest today is Barbara Lane, and Barbara has a brand new book called Broken Water. Welcome, Barbara. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to speak with the both of you. And, and I'm, I'm just amazed at what you're doing, and I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, we Very appreciate good. it. We're honored that you're with us as well. We love when people are able to come on and you know, tell their authentic stories, uh, share their truths, maybe heal a little bit you know, at the same time. So it's, yeah. That's what it's all about. It's, for me, anyway, is that healing part. And your story spans so many years. It's wonderful. Yeah. It sure does. Now, don't you give away how old I am. No, no, no. I I, I, I said no, it's okay. So many without a number. <laughs> it's okay. Somehow, somehow she's still 29, but she, exactly. she did this search. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell myself right. anyway. Yeah. So um, how many siblings do you have? Okay. Okay. So um, I thought I was nine of 10 um, when my family fell apart, mm. um, when I was three. Uh, later, I was to find out I was nine of 11 girls. Mm. And then later, I was to find out there's two more out there somewhere that we can't find. Mm. Oh. And one of them's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> What we wouldn't do, right? Right. So, um, but but my writing involves interviews with um, eleven sisters, myself included. My stories in there. Obviously, I didn't interview myself. Well, I could have used your your help in that. Um, yeah, <laughs> <Next time>. yeah. <laughs> but you know, I spent um, fifteen years gathering their stories because they were hard to tell, and we were just patient. You know, they came out when they could. And to their credit, all my sisters came out and told the truth of their stories, which, wow. All your sisters, are you're all from the same mother? Yes. Okay. How many, are, are you all from the same father? No. <laughs> so the way this story goes, you know, um, it, it took form over those many years because each sister's story was a little different. You know how memories are, you, you know, you think you remember something and you swear it's cute. The older ones would argue with each other. It was not that way. The other one would say, well, you weren't there. And I mean, but you know, their memories to them were their truth. So what I went after was the truth of their memories. And then somehow over the years, I kind of was able to thread it together to what I think is the truth of what occurred to our family, you know? So, wow. What is the uh, age range? So my eldest sister was born in 34. Okay. My youngest sister was born in 61. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. All right. The ones I know of. No, she would still be the youngest. She was the youngest that we know of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about uh, your mother a little bit. Um, how how does how does one end up having eleven kids or maybe thirteen? I wish I knew. Um, I assumed that she must have been Catholic and that birth control wasn't, you know, allowed. And so, you know, Catholics had a lot of kids back then, not just Catholics, a lot of people back then had a lot of kids, but she wasn't, she was pretty much non-religious at all, you know, but she kept having babies. This is my conclusion, my kind of guess after all the years of learning about her from my sisters, because I have no memories of her at all, um, that there was this need in her. You know, um, when you have a baby, it, it, it's like all totally dependent upon you, right? It fulfills you, and then all of a sudden it goes through that two-year-old stage where it's no, and don't pick me up, and I'm getting independent. And a lot of women then have a need to have another baby to recapture that. And I can say from what I've learned about her, that probably fit her. That probably fit her to a T. Yeah. You have no memories of her, but you were three years old when you were taken out of the family home. At that point, how many people were living in the house? So there were 10 of us. No, yes, 10 of us at that point. Two were married and out of the home. Um, you know, you married young back then, like 16. And women in that era, you know, in the 50s didn't have a car, they didn't drive. So when they were out of the home, they were out of the home, except for maybe holidays or, you know, when we could all get together. So they didn't know what was going on in the home. Uh, and our mother didn't tell them either. But she had kicked our father out. And uh, she was dating a lot of men. And she just decided one very cold December in St. Louis, and I did research to make sure that memory was accurate, one of the coldest Decembers in St. Louis, 1954. In December, she turned off the heat, sold the furniture, uh, left eight of us um, in the apartment and took off with a boyfriend. I'm sorry, seven of us in the apartment took off with the boyfriend and took the newest baby that was seven months old with her. She just, she just left. So we were there, um, for three days, no water, no food, no heat, nothing until a neighbor in the, in the building. And we lived in the projects in downtown St. Louis, because I guess we were pretty poor. A neighbor realized we were in there and called one of the eldest sisters and said, you know, your sisters are alone in there. My eldest sister called Catholic Charities, and they came in and got us. We ended up in a Catholic orphanage for a while. Then we, this was a bigger trauma. You would think all that's a trauma. It wasn't. Being separated from my sisters and placed in foster care and losing connection with them was something I could not heal. I simply could not get over it. And, and I think, guys, they... They were so loving when I was an infant and the sister I was placed in foster care with was young. Maybe they thought we were dollies, you know, and played with us like dollies. But it was enough that we bonded to them 
so deeply that when we lost them, there aren't any words, and I'm supposed to write, right? I'm supposed to be able to put words on it. I tried my best, but I still don't think I could define it. That that hurt, because um, I knew them, you know? So, right, that's all you knew. Anyway, yeah, and I remember watching them leave the orphanage. They have the little suitcases, and they'd be getting into cars of people I didn't know, and then they were just gone. And I didn't understand foster care. I didn't know where they were going. It was just really traumatic. And you know, this happens today. <laughs> it just keeps happening. So anyway, so that was the beginning of probably another night. Well, for sure, another nightmare. Um, eventually, myself and my sister Kay, who was 18 months older than I, were placed in foster home together. It was a home of a mafia grunt. I mean, you know, I had red hair. I still have green eyes. And, you know, they, they were very Sicilian. And we looked nothing like them, right? Uh, but they tried to pass us off as from northern Italy. <laughs> so, you know, but but it was... a, a horribly abusive home just in every way you can think of well i don't understand why a mafia grunt would want to have foster kids in his house Mm, he had plans for children that's why (laughs) and you know back then they didn't uh screen very well and and today the screening needs help um still it's better but it's still, I mean, as a journalist, I'm sure you stay on top of the many stories out there, especially the Florida um, investigations they've been doing on abuse in foster homes. It's it's horrible. And I got to say, there's wonderful foster homes. I have to put that out there and, and really applaud the loving individuals that are trying everything they can, right, to take care of these kids. For sure, yeah. We, we certainly don't want to disparage those that are doing good work. And we, we've had several on the show. Oh, and they're wonderful. I mean, and we just need more of them. <laughs> so, but but back in, in my day, uh, you know, that's where we landed. And um, they wouldn't allow us to see our sisters. They knew where they were, but they... You know, one of the things that abusive people do is isolate children. So you don't have anyone to tell, right? So they isolated us, kept us home, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and we stayed there until we married, frankly. So that was a long time. I mean, you get acclimated to how to be safe, and you don't think there's any other way to 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 live when you're in that. Had, were there any opportunities as you've gotten to be an older teenager to to seek out your sisters? I mean, you had Kay, but that but there, you knew you both knew that there were the others were out there. We were absolutely prohibited, and I remembered all their names in order of birth from when I was three years old. I remembered that. I used to pretend when I was little I was having tea parties with them, and I refused to let them escape my memory. You know. But when we were growing up in that in that home, if you mentioned it, you'd probably get smacked. So, you know, it was really prohibited. I think we had one visit um, with a few of the sisters, and I was pretty young. And it must have been the social worker that insisted. 
So we went. I do have that memory of seeing a few of my sisters when I was so young. And I, I remember we were playing in the backyard and there was a smell of honeysuckle and fresh cut grass. I mean, it was amazing. But the sun was getting ready to set. And I knew, you know, we'd be leaving them. And that stays in there. And we did leave. So where do you go from from there? Because at that point, I imagine some of them have moved around. Mm. Therapy. Of course. Yes. <laughs> A lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah, which is, I, I think, I don't want to get off the subject, but to anyone listening to this that's gone through this, give yourself the gift of therapy. Find a good therapist. This one's not good. Okay, find another one. You deserve that gift, you know? So anyway, that's my pitch for that. No, that's no, absolutely. And I think and we've talked about this on the show that uh, I think more more therapists are are doing, you know, more training on dealing with folks who are who are having these um, these discoveries later in life and these these traumas resurface and that sort of thing because just because there's more and more of you every day. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, there sure are, and it, it's a gift. I mean, I was lucky to have um, to find. Um, some pretty phenomenal therapists. And then, and then a mentor that I trained with for over 20 some odd years. And then eventually I entered that field myself. Right. So, um, you give back, you know, what you learn, um, hopefully, you know, Mm -hmm. but you gotta heal that first as best you can before you, you know, others. Yeah. Right. 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 How did, how did you start your search for your sisters? Mm. When I was like six years old, I was learning my letters. And back then there was something called a phone book. (laughs) Ours was yellow. And I mean, I was learning how to find my last name, Lane. I remembered my last name for some reason in the phone book. And so when my foster mother was out of the house, I would get the old rotary dial and dial the number of any lane in the book. I'd start going down and someone would answer and I would ask for a sister. Is Ruth there or is, you know, Ellen there? And they'd say, no, they're not here. So in my youth, I thought, well, they're just not home. And I really thought, I really thought if I just call them, it's going to be so easy to say, just come get me, you know, just come get me. But all girls, you know, no social security numbers through the years, no married last names, no internet, right? Pre-internet. I heard that. Um, I tried that when I was young, which obviously didn't work. Then um, when I was an adult, I hired a detective. I got on all the uh, registries you could think of, you know, for, you know, missing family members. I wrote Oprah, but she ignored me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she never saw the letter, but I thought, well, I'll I'll try. Um, You know, I went to the uh, St. Louis library, city library, and thought, you know, if we were really abandoned, maybe the, you know, there'd have been an article on it. So I searched that way and I did find something pretty fascinating. I didn't find anything about the event that caused the family to fall apart, but I did find 
uh, an article with my family. Here we were. It was like the first time I saw all of us together, like this is actually real. There's my mother. There's my father. There's my sisters. And I'm holding the hand of my mother. I thought, I mean, it just shook me like I can't even tell you. But what they had done is won a contest for having the most girls in a row. <laughs> and they did an article on it. But that was such a treasure to me to see that, you know. Yeah. So um, I had no luck finding my sisters. It, the detective did come up with an address of one of the, my sisters that's a twin. Um, and I sat down and wrote a letter to her, uh, to a sister I was hoping was my sister. And I didn't know which twin it was. And I put it all in there and I thought, boy, if I got this letter, I'd probably... <laughs> Who's that? You know, I'm, but anyway, uh, it came back unopened. The, the address was a dead end. So then I went through something I know I heard you went through as well. Um, I put all my notes in the closet and closed the door and said, I just can't do this for a while. It was so heartbreaking, right? To get so close and, you know, not find them. So then, um, do you want to know how we all got together? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's two pieces to this story. One is very logical and of this earth, and the other is such a spiritual realm. You could do with it what you what you what you will. Um, but when we moved from St. Louis to the East Coast, we fell in love with the ocean. And when my kids were young and off school, we would rent this old dinky old townhome right on the boardwalk in Bethany Beach, Delaware. And we'd stay the month of August. I mean, wow, right? So I was getting ready for that trip and packing everything I usually took with us for that month-long trip. And I had a premonition. It was like somebody hit me over the head with a frying pan. And it, there was this knowingness that after all these years of searching for my sister's I knew they were going to find me. I just knew. You, maybe it's because we are some level so close, even though we were apart. Whatever you do with this, I mean, I still not quite sure what to do with it. But I also knew they were going to find me in three days. I just knew. So I was trying to tell my husband and my kids this, and they're always like, oh, Mom, you always think you're going to find your sisters, or this one looks just like you, or, you know. So I thought, okay, I'll just sit on it. We got to the beach on the third morning. I ran out to the beach. I knew it was going to happen. My husband called me in and said, sit down. And I said, they found me, didn't they? And I mean the tears. He said, how did you know? I don't know. I think I'm just that close to them, even though we were apart. Now, the logical side of how this all happened, um, my second eldest sister, Ellen, was going to try reunite the sisters some of them knew where the other ones were but they just kind of drifted in the wind you know and she was determined that the ones she knew where they were that she was going to get them together and her son was there with his best friend and she started crying and they, they said why are you crying he said well because there's two out there myself and my sister Kay we don't know where they are and so he said well what do you know about them and unbeknownst to me, she had uh, clipped an article that was in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch back then 
we, this is so ironic, we were featured in the newspaper as uh, the model family for foster care, you know, in spite of all of the terrible stuff going on in that home that no one knew about. And she clipped that and she tried to call our foster parents who said, no, they aren't here. We don't know where they are, which was a lie. But anyway, this friend of her son took that, our name, the, the foster name was on there, to uh, St. Louis and worked with some clerks there and somehow got the marriage license of my sister Kay with a phone number. So he found us, which oh, is pretty wow. cool. Pretty cool, wow. right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I just, but the, the realization that it's happening in three days. I knew it. Like, I know I'm speaking with you. You know, I got my background in family psychology, human behavior, social sciences. Then I went on, became an ordained ministerial counselor because I felt like there's a little bit of soul involved in healing this kind of hurt. Um, so it's not unusual. I think when you're, when, when you're kind of trained in that or you're looking for it or it hits you, I could only tell you that's how it happened on my side. I knew it. I knew when it happened. And there we are. We, we all flew to St. Louis. Those of us that could, because we were kind of spread out all over the country, flew to St. Louis the next day so we could. And I mean, I just literally fell into my sister's arms like I was three years old again. And they caught me. <laughs> They looked at our noses, our ears. You are who you you are, Barbie. You are. It was really emotional. Oh boy, can't wow. imagine. Yeah. How, how many sisters were there at that reunion? Uh, at the first one, there were eight of us, and then two weeks later, we all met in Kansas. We were all there. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it was like we were never apart. It was like we were never apart. Just yeah. I'm actually on this. I'm in Alabama right now, and I live out in uh, Virginia because I came here for a niece's wedding. You see, I wouldn't have even known I had her, right? And I, you know, and here we are celebrating her wedding. And I think I have over 100 nieces and nephews, guys. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Wow. wow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What an incredible story. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. And so at what point did you decide um, you should be the one to chronicle everyone's story? Oh, so, you know, they put it on me. What can I say? <laughs> uh, we spent the first eight years together doing nothing but regressing to our childhoods. I mean, we got together every chance we could, every single one of us. We played hand clapping. Miss Lucy had a baby. You know, we recaptured our youth in ways, you know, jumping rope, skipping, being silly, uh, makeup, sleepovers, the whole nine yards. And, but we never ever spoke of our past. We just, it was too hard. And, and we were together maybe about eight years. And um, one of my sisters, Laverne, I couldn't say it as a child, I came up Bernie and the name stuck. She, she said to me, will you write our stories down? Because we're getting older, you know. And I said, why me? You know, because you can. I guess she had confidence in me. And I didn't, never saw myself as a writer, you know, but okay. So that began a process of one-on-one -on -one interviews with 
each sister. I would spend a week alone with each one of them, which was such treasured time, you know, one-on-one. I mean, and again, I had to follow my intuition as to who to see first. So this was October of that year. And I decided to go visit one of the twin sisters in uh, Detroit. It was already sleeting. Well, I have sisters that live south. My husband would say to me, what are you doing? Go south where it's warm. And But it was one of those, I just know that this is a sister I need to visit first. Gathered her story, spent a week with her. We had a wonderful time uh, in Frankenmuth. I don't know, kind of a German. Yeah, we had so much fun. And she was the first to pass. And if I hadn't listened to that intuition, I'd have missed it. So the whole 15 years of gathering their stories went just like that. Like, where should I go next? I don't know. Just follow your your heart. Amazing. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what, what a beautiful ending. Um your story has has anyone been able to find out what happened to your parents sure again it depends on which sister <laughs> you you hear because memories are are pretty um fluid is that the right word to use like you know they're they're they can be impacted easily by something someone says especially when you're little but the best i've been able to piece this together is that um, my mother and father didn't get along. Uh, He became ill. Um, Some of it's kind of really um, trigger warning to speak about, so I won't. Um, You know, I wouldn't want to trigger anyone listening to this. But so suffice it to say that um, she kicked my father out, and she had many boyfriends, um, and then left, as I said with one and then we all went in went into to the orphanage one sister annie i believed her story the most because um she ran away from the orphanage twice found out where her mother lived and this was like at the age of 12 and 13 she did this and but then she ended up living with her so she knew more of the true story of what she was like and why she did what she did and I think she just, um, you know, went into a field of um, making money that, you know, wasn't the best for children to be around. Hmm. So. Um, but she had left with your youngest young sister, young. right? Yeah. She left with the youngest. Good catch because uh, the youngest got taken away from her as well. And, and then. Um, after that youngest, there were two more born with another man that were taken away from her. Then after that, there was my youngest sister, whom I know now, that was taken away from her. So she lost 13 children. A lot of alcoholism and a lot of um, neglect, hunger, you know, and and, uh, inappropriate treatment by boyfriends. So, you know, the, the thing that's so sad about this and the thing I hope is, is um, seen over the sadness is that we all bounced. Every one of us 
we all bounced. We had kids. We raised them well. Um, my youngest sister, who probably was just kind of in the worst environment with our mother, became a, a kindergarten teacher. I mean, and one of the best. I mean, so there's hope. There's resilience. There's healing. There's, you know, reunions um, if, if, you, if you pursue it. And, and there's lessons to be learned from it all. For me personally, I can say, people say, you know, how'd you heal from all that trauma? It's a long road. You find the right people that have faith in you and see that you are not what happened to you. That happened to you, but you're something else totally. And, you know, you follow that path. And then I think what I've learned from it, I don't think I'd give that up. So I'm not going to say, oh, I'm so glad all this happened. No. But I'm not going to give up what I learned from it ever, you know. So does that make sense? It, it For sure. totally does. Yes. And and I I hope that listeners take you know that from most of the stories that we've heard is that I feel really fortunate to hear the fortitude that people have, you know, and to your to use your word resilience. I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear what people have overcome. Yes. And they do, you know, and, and I think there's so many, uh, in my career, of however many years, uh, 20, I don't want to count how many <laughs> that I've, I've helped, you know, not only children, but, uh, I'm, I'm better at helping adults who are dealing with coming to terms. I mean, I'm good with kids. Don't get me wrong. Ask my grandkids. I mean, you know, but um, when when someone has been hurt as a child, my training uh, helps me. Now, I don't intervene. I mean, the client does all the healing. You just kind of are observing and, and you know, maybe there's some guidance, but not too much in the met methodology that I use. They find their own inner child and how to rescue it, you know, and, 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 and to watch that happen over and over, you know, but there are individuals who just, society thinks if you were an abused child, you're broken. You're going to be, you know, broke. <clears throat> what do they say? Well, ruined for life. No, no, don't believe that. And and I think, you know, the societal expectation that that's what you're going to be, too many people listen to, and then there they are. And it's sad to me because, no, you had your whole life. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some people do fall into, like, the cycle, you know, of abuse and right. things like that, but there's so many right. people that don't. <laughs> Right. So how do you break that cycle is you don't listen to what society says, mm -hmm. unless they're telling you something that sounds true to your soul, that your soul can't, it, it's, it's indestructible. Mm -hmm. You know, you can move beyond this. If you hear that message, I would say, listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got to ask about, you know, since we have the St. Louis connection, you know, I was, yes. I was born there, spent the first 33 years there. That's where yeah. Kendall and I met before we moved to California. Um, what is your opinion on St. Louis style pizza? Oh, it's gosh. my hometown. Oh, oh, St. Louis pizza. pizza. Yeah. St. Louis you style. can't beat it anywhere. Nor, <laughs> nor, um, um, 
uh, toasted ravioli. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. What part of St. Yeah. Louis are you from? I, I'm from uh, one of the, the suburban counties. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Florissant. Oh, hello, neighbor. <laughs> Berkeley. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's yeah. right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Listen, My husband grew up in. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, listeners are going to have to pull out They're a map. They're going to have to. There were neighbors. My husband grew up in Florissant. and I grew up in Berkeley. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, we met on a uh, in a bike accident when we were 14. And we still argue over who was at fault, but you know it was his fault, right? <laughs> sure. <Of course. laughs> if we took a vote, we would know he was he just... Where did your husband go to high school? Of course, I got to ask the St. Louis question. Where did you go to Saint, high school? St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know yeah, a bunch of people yeah. from there. Yeah. 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 We were raised Catholic. And I bet I tell you a funny story about how we became Catholic. Because there is a lot of funny stuff in our stories. It's just not all, you know, sad horrors. My eldest sister, we, we were being raised Southern Baptist. And I know I heard, I know I heard you, you can't, you couldn't dance, right? No. So my eldest sister was 16, I think at the time. And she had a friend that was Catholic that went to the CYC dances. And she's like, oh, I want to go there. She had all of us baptized on the same day. Wow. So that, so that she, we could all be Catholic and she could go dance. Hey, you got to have a plan. That's great. You gotta have, she did. She still does. She's 86 and she still is like. I love it. Spunky, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just what a heartwarming story of the reunion. Mm. You know, it's and I'm so mm. happy that you got the chance to reconnect with mm-hmm. all, with all of your sisters. You know, before any of them passed. Yeah. Right, you know? right. Yeah. We were all alive. We were all healthy, and we just had so much fun. I, you know, we were there for each other. Yeah, I don't know. We were really blessed, really blessed. Interesting. It's it's not lost on me that it was just last night that Corey and I got to uh, spend some time with my my local family. My one of my nephews graduated from high school this week, and Aww. my sister hosted his his uh-huh, mother uh-huh. Um, hosted his graduation party. So you know, got to hang out with uh-huh. them and my brother and his wife, Aww. and just you know, why we're here. Yeah, <laughs> you knew you were adopted all along because I've been listening. I can't. I'm having a hard time not continuing listening. It's really well done. You know, oh, it's fascinating. And but but you didn't know any of your biological family, but that longing was still there. Mm. Uh-uh. Yep. I, I kind of equate it to what you said about you could never let go of the thought of finding your sisters. I always, you know, in your mind, you think, well, I can't just be alone out here. You know what I mean? Like there have to be others, right? And, um, but you know, to your point, I did put it on the shelf for a while because it do become disheartened and, and you, it's tiring. It's physically and emotionally draining to, um, to keep that, like that search going. And, um, I mean, well, I was going to say the magic of DNA, I think is, it was just the, um, the gift, you know, 
for us, uh, for sure, for finding each other, because I don't know how else we ever would have, honestly. So, you, you know, I wonder, because as I told you, I have two more out there. They were adopted as you were very young. So they may not even know anything about us. And so we sisters have, you know, thought, how can we find them? We know their first names, Robert and Roberta. Uh, now that could have been changed as your name was, right? Um, but you know, we wonder if they didn't know anything about us or the history of our mother and what she became uh, and our father, um, how traumatized would they be to find that out? You know, but are they longing, even though they don't know, are they longing for this connection like, like you have been? So my hope is, um, let me backtrack, if I may, just a bit. All of us sisters got together and got brave enough to tell these stories, you know, at great personal expense for some of us, great personal expense with family or what have you. Um, but to know that this truth put out there could help other men and women who have had the same histories find some hope or some like, you know, inspiration that, that they could do this. But it also is a little bit of hope that as the book has been received really well, which, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, um, maybe it will flush them out. I don't know. You know, while some of us are still here and hopefully they are too. So I don't know, it's that great unknown thing, right? That you long for. And even though this is all inclusive, this book, there's still that longing. There's, I have a brother out there somewhere. Right. A brother. Right. <laughs> so we shall see. Yeah. Have you taken a DNA test? I have, and I'm on Ancestry.com, but nothing has shown up yet that would be, I guess, um, help me, I think it's first first cousin, right? Would be a half-sibling, right? Yeah, so nothing yet, except the ones I know that I'm already <laughs> sisters with, which we don't give a hoot if we're half or whole. It just doesn't matter. It's Yeah, I mean, it's right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, to Kendall's point, I mean, it was, you know, we've become like um, old recluses, you know, and <laughs> like to just stay home on the weekends. So we were kind of begrudgingly going because it was a nighttime thing. And so, but I'm so, I'm so glad that we went because, you know, while he was um, hanging out with his siblings, um, I was talking a lot with his, which would have been Kendall's former stepmother, but his, his father's ex-wife. And two of her sisters, um, who have just they've from day one have just treated us like family. Yep. You know. That's yeah. so wonderful. That's wonderful. You know, so you, you wonder that, like um when when we sisters reunited, I wondered what extended families would be like. And I especially wondered what extended family would say once they read this book, because the truth just out there. And what I really got from most of my nieces and nephews is a thank you. And I didn't expect that because what, what they said was, I really understand my mom now because I didn't know, see all this secrecy stuff that, you know, especially in my era, you just didn't talk about things that they didn't know their own mother that raised them. 
so you know this story they're like thank you because i get my mom so hopefully you know i i didn't expect that level of healing but i'm so glad that that's occurring so you you never know right absolutely mm-hmm. well we will definitely be putting uh the link for your book in the show notes for this episode and yep. you could, encouraging everybody to uh to check it out <laughs> broken water you get the title right that's oh, <laughs> clever, clever yeah i think it's memorable and i yeah. think that's wise <laughs> very cool well thank you for doing the hard work um because you know it's just 15 years i mean it's, and, I, and i'm sure it was just like you know reliving trauma after trauma and 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 empathizing with your sister's you know, situations, it's had to be tough. Right. It, it, it resurrected some of mine too, but then that was okay because I felt like, well, it put a light on something I still needed to heal. And so, you know, uh, crazy as I might seem, I just jump right in there and say, okay, just torture my heart and let me get over it. Let me do the hard work, and then I know it gets better. Because I know you eventually laugh. Maybe not about that, but you're free to laugh about joyous things. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. This has been a true pleasure. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me. I'd love to just applaud you guys for for all you're doing. I mean, this is touching a lot of a lot of hearts, and and I love how you share. I mean, I can hear you guys get teary in your podcast. I mean, it's so real and I just love it. So thank you so much for having me. And, um, well, you're welcome. Yeah. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure for us to do this. Um, and yeah, we, we really enjoy it. And it's, it's been, I, I think it's been, um, just more rewarding than we thought it was going to be for sure. For yeah. sure. Thank you so much for listening to Family Twist. We feature original music by Cosmic Afterthoughts. And Family Twist is presented by Savoir Faire Marketing Communications. Check out our website at familytwistpodcast.com for blog posts and all of our episodes.